Children around the world are joining together in prayer through the tireless efforts of a lovely homeschooling mom, Blythe Kaufman. Today's topic is consecrating our children to Jesus through Mary. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Lisa Maladnik, and today's topic is consecrating our children to Jesus through Mary, and our guest is Blythe Marie Kaufman. Mrs. Kaufman is a wife, a homeschooling mother of three, a dentist, and an associate professor at the University of Connecticut School of Dental Medicine. She's the founder of the Children's Rosary, an international prayer group movement for children. She's the author of the book, Children's Rosary, a prayer group movement for children, as well as the author of a new book called Child Consecration, To Jesus Through Mary, Following in the Spirit of St. Therese, Little Flower. Now, you can find Blythe at www.childrensrosary.org, and that's in the show notes, as well as her blog, which is also childrensrosary.blogspot.com. That's all in the notes, as well as a number for the Children's Rosary website. And on that website, and uh, there's also a link to the EWTN Religious Catalog, there's so many resources, beautiful resources for you and your family, everything from Christmas cards to DVDs and prayer books. It's just pretty amazing. I was just so happy to welcome you to the program, Blythe. Thank you for being here with us. Oh, thank you, Lisa, so much for having me. Yeah, you know, I've been running into you at conferences for years. And whenever I go to the Catholic Marketing Network trade show, you're always there and you're there with a bunch of kids and they lead the rosary in front of a big group of adults. And I'm always so impressed by that, that you see really young people dedicated to Holy Rosary. It's inspiring for the rest of us. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I think it's important for people to realize that children are still praying the rosary and they can pray the rosary. And so sometimes you see on TV, they do animated rosaries and, and maybe people forget that actually children can lead the rosary even at very, very young ages. So I think it's a beautiful witness when the children get, get up in front of others and they pray. And then it's a very just simple witness of what they can do in their little hearts. They sure can. And look at how many saints started out dedicating their lives to God very young or were martyred for the faith. And God can do beautiful things through our children. Just introduce yourself so that we have a context for your life and what brought you to this moment, Blythe. Give us a sense of your story and in, in moving and working with the Lord in your life. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Well, as you mentioned, I'm a dentist. I, well, I should say when I was younger, I was involved with the church. I went to World Youth Day. I worked in my in uh, the parish rectory serving the priest dinner at night and things like that. So I went to Catholic school. But in my 20s, I really got pretty um, distracted and became a very lukewarm Catholic. And so I'd go to, to church on Sundays, but my prayer life was pretty much non-existent. And I was really focused. I just become married and got a house and so right around age 30, it seemed like I was trying to achieve all these, these dreams that I had. And at that particular moment, um, it seemed the Lord had some other plans. He was going to just really, as I look back, simplify things for me. Um, but at the time was a very difficult time because I found out I was pregnant with our first child. Um, and 
I also was diagnosed with a kind of a rare um, genetic connective tissue disorder that um, affects all the tissues in your body, but really profoundly your joints. And so the geneticist said, we don't recommend pregnancy. And um, he was actually wondering if we would even consider continue the pregnancy, which of course we were not even thinking we would not continue the pregnancy, but he said, you're going to um, see a steep decline in your health um, at postpartum. And, ex and what he described came to pass where um, I had already been suffering a lot of joint dislocations and different things associated with it. I didn't understand why it was happening, but, um, but then now with the diagnosis and after um, the birth of our son, I started dislocating joints throughout my body. Um, my hands were particularly affected because I had been practicing dentist and actually had gone on to specialize and become an endodontist. So I was doing surgeries and root canals and things so very detailed. So um, I was no longer able to practice um, over a couple of years. Uh, it was very difficult for me to walk, even stand at mass. If I wanted to go to a neighbor's house, just two doors down, my husband would have to drive me. I could only stand really to get communion, but not even as long as to say the Our Father. So I was in the last pew of the church, um, kind of, because I looked so normal, people really didn't understand what was, that I had problems. So I was embarrassed that I couldn't shake hands. My hands were so horribly um, affected where I was in excruci excruciating pain due to dislocations that then sort of progressed to my elbow. And then I had a frozen shoulder. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even put my hand to my head very well. So I couldn't really wash my hair well. So my hair was all matted and my whole appearance had deteriorated. So um, it was at that place really where I was still trying to find the solution myself and kind of stand on my own two feet. And I kept really not turning to our Lord. And then at one point I finally went to confession after about a year and I was just crying and I had to blow my nose. And even when I was trying to blow my nose, I dislocated my hand and I said to the priest, what a pathetic sight. I can't even cry about my condition. Like that's how bad I am. But something really beautiful happened at that point. I hope returned and I started praying the divine mercy chaplet um, with my sister. And then um, that led to daily mass eventually and the ability to walk to mass because I never regained the ability to drive. Things started to stabilize where I wasn't in excruciating pain, um, but I've never been, uh, I've lost a lot of function. Like I can't open a refrigerator. My husband has to put my shoes on or my kids. Um, and that led to, a, to, a dad, to two children that we adopted, older children from an orphanage. So different things unfolded, but there was a lot of surrender that had to happen. I was very much uh, about providing for myself. So there was a lot of things that took some time to accept. But over the years, I've realized that our Lord gave me a really big gift um, through this, this disability, which was really an armor of humility, because he had a, he had a mission for me to do, and, um, and I was going to need that protection. So the fact I have to ask for help with everything I do, even down to getting toothpaste squeezed on my toothbrush, and I'm a dentist. Oh my gosh. Yeah. From my husband or my, one of my kids. So it just keeps me very simple and I had to stop practicing and now I just teach part-time. So it opened up time to do what our Lord had planned for me and then ultimately homeschooling. And so he had the best plan. And so I'm actually very, very grateful. Um, my prayers do not usually daily include um, any kind of healing for myself because um, I, I do think this is a particularly special gift that our Lord gave me. Now I have a lot of time because I can walk on flat grade. I can walk to places like church and pray. I need people to open the doors for me. But again, it's just constant reminding of how dependent I am on everyone 
And that keeps me where I need to be in order to do what he needs me to do. So it's been, it's been very, very good, very good for me. And so I'm just praise God through all of it. And I know a lot of other people suffer and I've come to become much more sensitive to seeing how the Lord works through suffering and other people. So it's helped me to relate to a lot of people because not only do I have physical problems, I find my, my cross these days is more in um, my vocation as mother. I struggle with different things with my kids. And I look and I see so many other moms who do such beautiful jobs. So I, I still have a long way to go. Um, my, my struggles sometimes are, you know, with patience and things like that, but our Lord just keeps refining and refining. So we all have like continued work to do. So that's where I'm at is he's still doing a lot of work, work in progress. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, what a, what an incredibly touching witness because I really see that there's a dividing line between those of us who are able to say, by grace, with God's help entirely, not on our own strength, but to say to God, thank you for this suffering. I unite it to your cross willingly. I accept it. And the freedom that that brings. Yes, we still suffer. Yes, we still struggle. Our lives are not perfect. It doesn't just suddenly you know, make us light up and with perfect halos over our heads, but it makes all the difference. It shifts us out of doubt and bitterness and into a place of love. And ultimately, that's where life happens. And so those of us who have been through times, and I certainly have many times been in places of not accepting suffering and struggling against it and falling into that darkness and bitterness that really halts forward progress. And so just to everybody listening, yeah, we know that it is a big part of our lives and it's, it's purposed in some way. God may not have caused it or brought it upon you. It may not always be a direct gift from God. Sometimes we suffer because of the sins of others. But when we yield to it, beautiful things can happen. And one of the very beautiful things that's been happening with you, Blythe, is this children's rosary. Step us into how that came about and what what you're doing there. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Thank you for sharing all of what you did. Um, So, yeah, well, I've given you sort of the context of how I was coming back to the faith after being a a lukewarm uh, Catholic through my 20s and so um, we at this point had had our youngest son, Asher, who was at this point about um, just a couple of years old. And then we had two adopted children that um, were at that point eight and I think six at the time. And in that environment, I was going to daily mass. We'd started praying the rosary as a family. And this call for help came from our pastor. Um, it was really a financial problem in our parish. He was worried about the future. And he was asking for increased donations. And he made his first request and then a second. And, and in prayer, this idea came, you know, maybe we should invite our children to pray for a parish. And the prayers of children are so strong. So I wrote to him and asked for permission for a group for children to come together to pray for the parish. And he granted it. So on April 10th, 2011, a small group of children gathered in our lower church at, named after the Holy Family uh, to pray for our parish. Um, it wasn't a large group. And there were some disabled children, actually, that came, not that we particularly sought them out, but that was who we happened to come. And it turned out that the collection that weekend was sec- second highest only to Eastern Christmas for the remainder of the year. So, And this was not because we had a campaign about raising money that weekend. It was just a very quiet thing we did in the lower chapel. Um, wow. And it was just a little signal grace to show the power of the prayers of children. And so 
uh, I talked to the parents and I said, is this something, you know, was just going to be a one-off or should we continue this? And they, the feeling was that we should continue. And so for a year and a half, we just met as one single little prayer group in our parish in West Hartford, Connecticut. And then people started to hear about it. And so on the Feast of the Holy Rose, about a year and a half after we started, another group formed on the other side of the country. And that was like a little signal grace to say, you know, in the next year, you know, things may spread. And as it turned out, sure enough, the group started to form. People heard about it. They wanted it. We had a little book called The Children's Rosary. We ultimately released that um, has an imprimatur, explains how to start the group. And so um, we had the support of the church behind it. And it continued to spread. Um, and it seemed like on the Feast of the Holy Rosary, Our Lady always kind of gave us a new little direction. And after a couple of years, something really interesting happened is that we had a new group form in a homeschooling community. And then I saw that Our Lady was really opening the door saying she was really pointing to the homeschooling community. And it really, I think, really I fits homeschoolers so well because um, they have the flexibility. They can come together in the mornings or during the week. They could, you know, whatever works for them, that they can come together. And it's a moment of praying, community, uh, fellowship and and really the, the the goal of the children's rosary shifted from obviously praying for the financial situation of our parish, but really to supporting the prayer lives of children. And that's really our goal is to recognize that they have needs, then they um, spiritual needs, and they have a great capacity to grow and and to give to our church. Like I don't think our pastor realized when he asked for help that the children had so much to give. He really wasn't pointing his request to them. And yet it turned out that our Lord would use them to help our parish so much. And that, that group, you know, that the, this tapestry of prayer has spread now to over 34 countries. Um, we spent a summer, um, not this past summer, but the prior summer traveling through Eastern East Africa, visiting groups and giving you a little background of my joint problems that was another surrender of thinking that I could even make a trip like this. And then our Lord took such good care of me over rough roads and long, such long days. Um, but just children, we were in the most remote regions praying with the Maasai tribe on out on the edge of wildlife preserves with no, no fences. And these were children that were, were part of this tapestry. And so when you become part of the children's rose, you really become part of something that's really global. And this is something, you know, beyond just myself. And I think our Lord likes to use people with like very, are very weak to show that this is all for his glory. Because clearly I, um, somebody who needs like somebody to help me get into bed and get up in the morning is not going to be creating these types of connections and things happening around the globe and making trips of these types. So, um, it's, it's really, it's a really beautiful thing. And I should say, I don't have any natural gifts in terms of working with children. So again, it was sort of a strange thing that Lord would call someone with my lack of talent in that regard to work with children. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, but, uh, but I am inspired by all that I've seen that our Lord has done. So, um, and you know, this terms of the steps that you need to do to start a group, if you're even interested it would be to ask your pastor for permission to start a program. If he grants it, um, you can go on our website, child, childrensrosary.org. There's a registration button. There's um, lots of resources. Uh, you would plan when you want to meet weekly, monthly, some parts of the world, they meet daily to pray the rosary that the core of it is the children leading the rosary. So this is not adult led. The children get up and lead. 
ideally from a podium around an altar, uh, the rosary, giving another optional thing is roses to Our Lady at the end of each decade and asking for the fruits. You can have a little snack, a little social fellowship afterwards if you would like. And um, we have different things through the year that we kind of invite people to do. Um, little fasting, the marrying crownings in the May and consecrations and things. And I'll tell And each group, um, before we have a, a personal consecration book, which I'll, I know we're going to touch on, um, we do ask that each of the groups of the Children's Rosary is consecrated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, so that each group is under the protection and guidance of Christ and his mother. So the kids can come and grow in the group, but the group is protected. So that's kind of the model of it. Um, and we have groups in parishes, schools, and orphanages uh, throughout the world, as I mentioned, but in a particularly special, I think, area is the homeschooling groups. Just wonderful, just wonderful, because we so want our children to be able to lead, to stand up in their gifts and, and in their callings for the Lord. And how better? I mean, I think it was St. Therese of Lisieux, and I know that your new book uh, definitely ties into her spirituality. But she said that because we're Mary's children, her treasures are our treasures. And bringing the children into this this kind of this little holy coalition of, you know, being Mary's children together. You know, it's her immaculate heart that's going to triumph. And, and uh, it's just so beautiful and so powerful. It just sets my heart on fire. So say a, a little bit more. You've, you've mentioned that you can go on the website. Um, they can start their groups. They clear it with their, their pastors. What about the new book? What's going on with that? And what's, what's it going to help us do? Well, uh, every year we had invited the members of the Children's Rosary for an optional consecration to Jesus through Mary. We never really had a material that we thought was ideal because uh, the traditional St. Louis de Mont for consecration uh, in the book, True Devotion Mary, is a little bit um, mature for the younger group children that are involved with the Children's Rosary. And I should mention the age ranges. We, you know, it says in our book, four to 14, but I would definitely say younger, uh, three. Even if you have a mother with a child in her arms, bring the child. Um, and the older children can take that leadership role. As you mentioned, we've seen a lot of that, almost like a mother's helper in organizing things as they start even getting to the teenagers, they can help in organizing. But um, this book is, I'm trying to think of how to jump into it, but it allows uh, our children to take the next step. So I think what Our Lady was seeing with all these different groups was that they were growing in holiness and she wanted them to reach even the heights of sanctity. And in a very simple way, she wanted to come she always comes to her children exactly where they are because she's such an attentive mom. And so this book is really crafted specifically for those children that have a prayer life, you know, that they're praying. There's some materials that are, that are even out there now that are for children who've never had prayer, but this is really for somebody who's already praying with their children. And then it takes them even further in a, and it uses an allegory to begin with and 33 days of kind of unpacking that allegory with prayers that gradually build to the nut. The last nine days are a rosary each day. So you could take a child who's never prayed and still work through the, the consecration because it's very gentle, but it, it, has, an, it has a lot of meaning in it. So uh, I think that those children who are praying are going to get a lot of things out of it. And if you renew your consecration every year, um, that understanding continues to deepen. And the parents, um, we've had parents or adults use the book, priests, um, Bishop Keenan of Scotland is going to be using the book uh, for his personal consecration, inviting the priests of his diocese and um, children and, and adults to join him from January 9th to February 11th of 2021. So um, the audience of the book is really 
kind of goes the gamut, but it does include children in a very particular way. And I think that it would be really well suited for a lot of homeschooling parents and their children. Yeah, and and I just want to say that EWTN is behind you. You've had amazing endorsements. Tell us some of the luminaries, <laughs> some of the beautiful Catholic leaders who have, who have really endorsed this book. We were really grateful to um, Robert Cardinal Sarah, who's the prefect for the Congregation of Divine Worship and the Sacraments, um, that he endorsed the book. Um, he's also endorsed the Children's Rosary. He said he's given his fervent support of the Children's Rosary. So um, he's really behind it. Uh, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Ajik from the Netherlands wrote the preface. Um, Bishop Keenan, who I mentioned, um, is going to be leading his consecration. He said, um, I'm just reading up the back of the book here. It says, I encourage every parent, teacher, and priest to read this book, quite unique in these times that accompanies parents as they take up, uh, again, the devotion of consecrating their children to Jesus through Mary. Were I a parent, this would be my number one Marian book for my family. As a pastor of souls, I pray many parents will take it up, confident that it has within it the grace to bring in a great harvest for the church and the world and the generations, too, that lie ahead. So, uh, and we've gotten some folks from the Philippines, Bishop Evangelista, um, the bishop, one of the bishops from um, Uganda uh, was so kind to write us an endorsement last week. So different things coming in. Um, it seems, I think because the book is just, um, it's it's not associated with anything modern. I mean, it could have been written a hundred years ago. It could be presumably, you know, used a hundred years from now. It's It doesn't tie into anything. It's very timeless, so to speak. And um, it just has a lot of the fundamentals and, and truths of our faith that are t- that are expressed in a way much like the parables of the Gospels. So for anyone, um, that's an easy way for you to digest information and to really ponder it and let it kind of seep in deep. I feel like, you know, Bishop, is it Keenan that's going to use it with his diocese in in Ireland, did you say? Scotland. In, in Scotland. Scotland. I'm sorry. I should I should remember that. I'm Scottish <laughs> background myself. But um okay, so in Scotland and he's gonna use it with, with adults and children. It's so lovely and, and lovely that that you're connecting again with Saint Therese, this childlike spirit that can help us to come before the Lord and before our lady in a really open and receptive way. And since um our YouTube listeners will get to actually see us on camera, could you just hold the book up? Can we just see what that looks like? Oh, how pretty. All right. And just flip through it a little bit. Just let us see uh, get a sense of what it looks like. And I, I should also mention that. The illustrations were done by a homeschooling child that wow. um, has been part of the children's rosary. And so she did all the illustrations. She did the cover. And again, that's just a little witness to the beautiful gifts, the talents that children have that they can give and kind of tapping into those. And, and a lot of times that's prayers that they can give from the heart. And, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, illustrations that, you know, in that theme of St. Therese that are, um, you know, using that lens of simplicity, confidence, and trust that you often uh, you think of with children. And so this is all kind of the, through the lens of that child like St. Therese or a child, you know, and, and uh, this little girl was only nine when she did the cover and she did the other illustrations over the course of about two years. She's been a real big part of the, the project too. And uh, that's another homeschooling connection. So, <laughs> Yeah. Would, would you mind just, um, I know I'm surprising you with this, this focus, but what are some of the graces that you've seen emerging in the lives of the children and the families that are connected with this movements? I've heard of 
you know, people witness to me about a piece that they felt come from, from having the children's rosary. I'm thinking even of a school um, that witnessed to me that, that the, the children, there was a lot less bullying that happened, that the teachers were actually, there was peace that come over. Teachers were communicating. Um, this was in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I'm thinking of a pastor who was sharing with me that a whole region in Kenya where these children's rosary prayer groups were meeting, um, that peace came over where there was a lot of infighting between the different groups and the outposts. So um, I would say a hallmark has been a, a return of peace, which is so critical. Um, we've heard about vocations coming, that this is almost like a little nursery for vocations. Um, and also just that children have become leaders in faith. So um, I was thinking when I was in Uganda, hearing the pastor say that now some of the children who had been part of the Children's Rosary had gone out to further outposts to be little group leaders. And this was not something that was sort of told to them that they wanted to do it. And it's also been involved with conversions. I got to meet some, some um, one boy in particular in Uganda who was Muslim and had been participating in the Children's Rosary and actually converted to Catholicism and then wants to be a priest. So our Lords and Our Lady are using this Children's Rosary, I think, to... Um, for the new evangelization, but also for evangelizing. So there's a lot of things that that the rosary and in particular um, praying in groups can do. Um, and there's a power in that. And I don't know if there's a moment for the, this last quote from St. John Vianney. Um, he says, um, he used to say, or he says, St. John Vianney also gave some beautiful imagery um, of coming together in prayer, private prayer. He used to say, resembles straw scattered here and there over a field. It is set on fire. The flame is not a powerful one, but if you gather those scattered straws into a bundle, the flame is bright and rises in a lofty column towards the sky. Such is public prayer. So there's something very powerful about uh, bringing people together in prayer groups, whether that's you know the children's rosary or also bring groups together for the consecration journey um, and it's very powerful. So I, I humbly invite families to think about, prayerfully think about starting this because this is, this is just a grassroots thing. It's person to person. So take it to prayer. And if you feel moved, childconsecration.com is where you'll find out about the, the consecration. Um, there's also an ability to do that online as well as purchase the book 3W10. Um, so if you're waiting for a book to come in, you can start right away if you want to join in for that uh, January 9th start date or childrensrosary.org um, will give you all the information on how do you start. There's videos taking you step-by-step. Step. How do you run a group? We have a theme song, et cetera. There's lots of fun things there. So Beautiful. And, and what funds all of this activity, Blythe? I know I'm surprising you with another question. Where does the support come from? Is it just through the sale of the materials that you've created? Children's Rosary is a nonprofit, uh, but very small ones. So Everything is really done with donations and then a little bit that comes, but we price our things very, very low so that it's accessible. So we don't get a lot of um, funds from the sales, particularly, although like the, the Christmas cards and things um, were I think a dollar to the children's rosary reach box sold, things like that. We really look at each request that we get from different parts of the country and, and things and just say, can we send this one box? And we've, that's how we, we really look at it. And so if people can make a little donation, that helps us meet that one request we get. And so that's how we've progressed. And different doors have opened where we've been able to send 
in the neighborhood of, you know, our last shipments to Uganda were in that about 25,000 rosaries, um, handmade rosaries. So the Lord provides by little people doing, sending their handmade rosaries to us. They're almost all of those were handmade. And then, you know, we were able to meet with people that send shipping barrels, and then we were able to come up with the cost to ship them. And then those have been going to different dioceses where we have children's rosary groups and particularly priests connecting them through the parishes and the groups and working also with the bishops and things. So it's been, um, and we send rosaries to all parts of the world, even the U.S. So if you need, you want to start a group, you don't have the funds, but you want, um, you need some rosaries, let us know. We'll, you know, we'll take your request and take it to prayer and see if we have the means to send it to you. And usually it happens. So thank you. Wow. Thanks be to God. You referenced this earlier, but God uses the weak to do great things so that no flesh may glory in his sight. And I just feel like whenever I hear these stories, and I, and I can see why EWTN is really in there behind you, supporting your work and, and marketing your products, because there's so many great stories of Mother Angelica needing exactly a certain amount or her doors were going to close. And then so the phone rings. They've just all prayed together, that whole pillar of a fire of devotion as they gather together in prayer and suddenly, you know, it either arrives in the mail or the phone rings. And so through God, all things are possible. Leave us just with a, a final thought of any kind, Blythe. This has just been such a touching and beautiful conversation. Oh, I'm just very grateful for each soul that might be listening to this program. And I ask for special graces from our Lord to bless each one of these people who are listening, that something beautiful will come as a result of this connection that we're making right now. Thank you. Praise God. All right, everybody. So all of those references that you heard will be in the show notes. You'll be able to find Blythe and find the Children's Rosary and all those materials very easily. Please share, talk about it, and share with Blythe your own rosary stories. Send her your handmade rosaries. Do whatever you can to keep this going. What a beautiful movement for Our Lady and moving into this, this era of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. How just absolutely gorgeous and encouraging. And please stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, this is Dan Lozonas from EinsteinBlueprint.com. Today I want to talk about what I'm deploying to, well, speed up my kids' progress towards becoming self-propelled entrepreneurs. I call it success shaming. You see, there's this kid, I mean, I call him a kid, but he's 23 years old now, who I recently discovered that is helping businesses create and run ads on YouTube. Anyway, he's only 23 and he's already making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars each and every month, it's absolutely amazing. But besides amazing me, I'm also using the example of this young man. I'm pointing to this young man to my kids and saying, hey, look what this other boy has accomplished. This is available to you. Why aren't you working on things like this? Just imagine what your life would be like if you had that kind of money rolling in. Again, I call this success shaming. Now you've probably heard these new pejorative terms like body shaming and mommy shaming. And it is a shame that there doesn't seem to be much daddy shaming on social media these days as if dads only play a small role in parenting and I guess have lower expectations heaped upon them. But regardless, this concept of success shaming may sound like it's nasty, 
It may sound like it's mean, but in reality, what it does is it introduces my kids, your kids, and anyone else who uses it. It reminds them that the world is hyper-competitive and reminds them that this is what they are going to go out into. We have to be careful that we don't shelter our kids from the harsh realities of life. We have to be careful that we don't shelter or at least underexpose them to all the opportunities that are out in the world and readily available to them. So look, this is something that any mom or dad could do. You could go on YouTube, you can find examples in Forbes magazine, you can watch the news, although I wouldn't look there necessarily. Maybe Shark Tank is better. You can always find other kids and young adults who have done amazing things that you can point to. So the next time your kids want an iPhone, an iPad, wow, it's all technology these days, huh? If they want to go to Disney World or if they want their own car, you can say, hey, look at Sally, look at Billy. They can pay for all that by themselves because they are getting ahead of the game with business. They are working and they're setting goals and they're going out and grabbing life by the metaphorical horns. They're taking advantage of opportunities that are out there. Again, I call it success shaming, but maybe a better term will be strategic, manipulative, inspiration, or whatever you want to call it. Regardless, I think you should most definitely use it to hyper-accelerate the education of your homeschooled children and really get them started down the path where they can create maximum time and money leverage for themselves and reach their full God-given potential. If you want to find more juvenile entrepreneurial examples and plenty of other resources, then visit my 16-year-old homeschool son's website, kidsgetrich.com. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.